Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome everyone to episode six of Across the Pond Marketing Transformed. My name's Chris Lawson, based in London town, and I'm joined in Philadelphia by Sam. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Hey, listeners. Hopefully everyone's had a great week and really looking forward to this week's episode. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's loads to get through, so I'm just going to get straight into it today. Um, In this show, we're going to dig deep into the power of being brave, where we explore why creative bravery is not just about coming up with the next um, Super Bowl advert or challenger brand, but about courage to drive different viewpoints of ideas, products and services, and also ensuring that you've got the right mindset and the power of saying yes, and then figuring out after that how you're going to do it. Um, what do you think the bravest launch you have ever seen, Sam? I like the Lifeboy campaign, a soap brand called Lifeboy, which was truly purpose-driven. They're a, a leader in um, hands-on education to promote healthy hand washing around the world. And moving beyond just selling soap to promoting healthy hand washing, they saw an opportunity to live into their brand purpose by championing this issue with the goal of changing the behavior of 1 billion people across Asia, Africa, and Latin America. And, you know, going after a billion people, that's a huge, audacious goal. Um, Their kind of statement, mission statement, is it's wrong that so many children die from diseases that washing hands could prevent. So they're going to do something about that, to change the behavior of a billion people in the world by promoting hand washing and ultimately saving lives. And um, some data from from what they saw was that, for example, in Indonesia, over like 30,000 children below the age of five would die every year. And diarrhea is the second leading cause of death. So most commu- most of the consumers are unaware of this. And, um, you know, it can easily be prevented rather from, from hand washing. And so they got into the, you know, the, the role of providing resources, training, information. And um, and they saw, for example, some. they adopted an, um, a village, for example, in 2013, and they helped reduce incidence of diarrhea from 36% to 5%. That's amazing. And so that ability to save lives was also commensurate to selling more soap, right? But there was a true community benefit and a global benefit as well as a brand benefit. And so that, that's, in the, I think, an example of being brave in terms of how you go to market, how you communicate, but actually what you stand for. And even if you're just a you know commodity such as bar of so- soap, you could set yourself you know, um, and differentiate yourself, but also impact, as I say, the bottom line, top line, and also the community. Yeah, I think that you can't argue with that example at all. It's an incredible, strong um, example. No, Water Aid, uh, charity, uh, I think based out of the UK has been doing a huge amount of work in similar areas of a big sponsorship um, and partnership deal with uh, Glastonbury for many years as well. Um, taking a slightly different approach, uh, for me, in terms of, I was thinking from a creativity perspective, I still remember those Guinness adverts, a decade of inspirational adverts, uh, change the way that people talked about 
drinks, let alone Guinness, uh, think it was a very, very different way of marketing a alcohol brand, really bringing some emotion into it and uh, and actually trying to create sort of groundbreaking sort of creative time and time again throughout. Yeah, it was pretty much over a decade, I think, that it was almost a, a must-see mm advert but but the other but the other extreme that um i thought it was worth talking about because it's a you know it's an area where you know it can be quite dull is uh one of the bravest was egg which was a credit card brand that was marketed in a completely different way very bright very very colorful very abstract and even if you aren't familiar with the brand in the states if you if you look at slack or you look at um you know, sort of, uh, yes, Slack's a really good example of that, actually, you know, sort of mm-hmm. quite sort of a bright, intuitive, very simple, energetic way, sort mm-hmm. of simple common language to get across what is a relatively mundane um, sort of a approach. Uh, yeah, any other examples from the States that, that feel that they might fit that vein, Sam? Well, it's funny, there, you, there seems to be um, some some awesome consumer insightful innovation from the financial services industry. LearnVest was uh, one that comes to mind, which is a financial planning company founded by a female entrepreneur, um, Alexa Van Tobel, I think her name was. Um, and they were selling personal finance solutions to millennials. And I think they, they, they subsequently were bought by Northwestern Mutual, which is a huge, one of the huge companies over here in 2018. I think they actually shut it down, but they, Northwestern bought it for 250 million. So that's an example of a, a organization which kind of stood out, did things differently and just used the channels and the media and the targeting focusing on millennials and with the premise that, hey, they're not interested in the traditional vestiges of banks and finance organizations. They don't care about the big brick uh, marble buildings and all that kind of thing. They just want solutions for them. So that was a good example. But I think for me right now, Lemonade is just a, a huge inspiration and is just turning the market upside down. You know, they reversed the traditional insurance model. They've launched in the US and I think actually in Germany. So they're not all across Europe yet, but you can poke around on the internet and find them. And basically, they treat the premiums paid as if it's my money, not theirs, right? So they're an insurance company, which is basically saying, hey, this is your money, not the company's money. Um, And everything becomes simple and transparent. They take a flat fee and they they pride themselves on how quickly they pay their claims and how fast that they can get, um, you know, pay out back to you. And then give give what's back at the left um, at the end of the year to, to the causes you care about so it's like the idea that we're not fighting over the money it's your money and we're just helping you you know use it and then we're going to give it to the causes that you 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 know you love so their mission is to transform ins- insurance from a necessary evil into a social good you know they designed lemonade to bring out the best in people while giving society a push for the better and that's why they introduced the give back so super 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 simple to uh, to use basically um, they've really learned, and I know they work with um, a guy called Dan O'Reilly, who's a professor, and he's written a few books on behavioral economics. And basically, you get a policy, you select a nonprofit that you care about. Once a year, they tally up the unclaimed money left from you and others who choose your cause, and then they give that money to the causes. Um, so the nonprofits, I think in 20, um, 2019 so far, they've given away $631,000, which just that's not how insurance works. <laughs> that's not how what you think about insurance, but it seems to be all about, um, you know, you as a consumer and then what you care about versus 
trying not to pay and, you know, um, ripping you off and that kind of negative mindset. So it really just means people are engaging in the category in a completely different That's, way. No, it's a lovely example. They've taken the, the cautious, the detailed, and quite frankly, the, the, the relatively dull and made it into something that we can all identify with and, and sort of raise a smile and um, about it at the same time. So mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful. A word to wise, the wise though, the, the example I used egg, um, you know, very similar time to coming out about um, the, the original sort of guard, um, the original Guinness adverts, the ones I was talking about, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the uh, yeah. surfer and, and the like, and the sort of dancing horses. And, and I think, interestingly, you know, egg is not around anymore. Uh, it went through a, a sort of a tumultuous time of sort of mis-selling sort of scandals and a variety of different other problems. Well, Guinness most certainly is still around and, and grown stronger by the year. And it just shows you that it doesn't matter what the creative campaign is um, without s- solid product at the end of a process, being brave won't save you. Um, now, both of these examples though require a momentum from the top, but even so at some point, they're going to require that creative team or that marketing manager to be brave. So, so breaking it down, what 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 makes it brave? I think it's about challenging the status quo, seeing it from a different angle, being prepared to take risks, not having a plan B, and I think that's quite an interesting one, and trusting your gut mm-hmm. and facing down those negative voices. I mean, there's a... Uh, there's a good phrase, uh, someone that um, I listen to, a guy called Nick Bradley, who I know very well, and he talks he talks long long about burning the boat, yeah, having the courage of your convictions to actually um, burn the boat so that there's no way back. Now, as marketeers, I think it's incredibly important that we we think about the contingencies and we ensure that we have it. But it, but you've got to be both feet into these, I think, you know, to make it work. Yeah, yeah. You know, those those sort of more personal mindsets or philosophies and behaviours that you can apply to yourself, and you can sort of ladder it up to think about just a broader best practices that you could you can think from a perhaps a you know a category or campaign level i was just reading an article come out in the last week or so from about the effies and what the most successful um initiatives campaigns or programs had and guess what bravery was the the single driver of success and it comes from four or five key drivers um you know one of them was focus on specific outcomes versus having like five or 10 objectives. You've got to have one, maybe two objectives so that you really know what you're trying to, to deliver against. And then obviously increases the likelihood of you actually delivering against those objectives. So it's really smart objectives, but very focused on what those outcomes are. Basing your work on research and insight. And, you know, some organizations' philosophies say, no, we don't believe in research, but ultimately having that true consumer insight, really understanding the why behind what people want and need can, can leads to the unlock. So that research is a, is a, is a goldmine of, of, of resource and it's fundamental. You know, you've got to be broad enough to, to reach as many people as possible, but you've got to have specific targets in mind. So you've got to have a target consumer, target audience in mind. Um, be but also not to be so narrow. It's a very, very small component of people. Yes, they're relevant, but you've got to be broad enough to reach them. Being different and different in a relevant way, not just different for the sake of different, but being differentiated and meaningful um, to your consumers. And then the key one is sticking with it over time. And so it's not a one and done and a short burst. You've got to have this premise of 
sticking with it long-term brand building, which we all know to be true in the performance marketing era. Folks are saying, okay, you know, we've got to deliver today or we're not going to do it tomorrow. And here we're learning more and more that brand building over time is a, is a thing and there's data that supports it and you've got to stick with it. And I think the Guinness example, which you've showed, yes, they've evolved over time. That, that kind of has that um, all links back to the brand and it's all based in the core essence of what the brand and, you know, its proposition stands for. So that, those sort of four or five drivers are critical to success and bravery is, is core to doing those, those four or five things. I think in the current climate, especially when budgets are tight and people are, um, you know, very hypersensitive to the, the next thing, sticking with it seems to be harder to do than now than it was, um, you know, ever in the past. So yeah. um, those are the, that's how I see it. That, that's a good one, actually. That reminds me of an example, um, which is about sticking with it. I think of Twitter. Um, you know, do you remember mm -hmm. like 2007? It was sort of growing at light speed, but yeah. it was frequently crashing. You know, but the team embraced it. Um, they didn't try to rationalize it. Um, uh, they just came up with a sort of a cute illustration of a whale being picked out of the water by eight birds, trying to humanize the fact that they were working on the problem. Um, I think I think they started to call it the fail whale, and it sort of took on a a uh, life of its own, became a sort of a household thing. Um, did you know that the, the service for Twitter went down for seven whole days in two thousand and seven in total? No, it's not good, right? Yeah. <laughs> seven days out, which is crazy. <laughs> but it, but it is, isn't it? But but then you think about it. It was uh, it was growing faster than they could, and all that they could do was humanize a problem and ensure that everyone understood that they were working on it in the background. Now, sticking to your guns, there, I think that is definitely brave. A good friend of mine. Bruce Daisley is a head honcho of Twitter in the UK uh, and Europe. He's a VP of EMEA. And, and he's written a book called The Joy of Work. And he talks about that office spirit necessary to support each other. And I think that's an essential part of being brave. You have to know who, that people have got your back. Yeah, I, 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 lo I love the idea of having that support and, um, you know, having the, the, I think the conviction to keep going. And, um, you talked earlier about burning, you know, burning your boats, you've got to have stand for something and go after it. You know, um, I think one of the examples that comes to mind from your stories is that, uh, you know, early in my career, I was responsible for a very boring category. Um, and my mission was to make it interesting and relevant. And the, the category of all categories was vacuum cleaners. Yes, people, this is um, something that you really spend a lot of time thinking about not. But actually, there was a there was a, just an observation that, hey, you know, when, when most uh, products in, in the entertainment field or the publishing field come out music, you know, they, they actually do pre-awareness, right? They do pre-launch efforts in terms of, you know, trailers and, um, you know, teasers and just stuff to get you interested in, uh, in advance of launch. So my approach to this category was on a new launch, we just just start six, nine months in advance and actually get people to use the product and to engage people and to influence people in advance, which kind of in 2019 sounds like obvious, but back in 2009, it was just not done at all. And creating a program that leveraged bloggers and ultimately it got people engaged. It's like, who's this dude wanting us to get interested in this category? We don't get, who cares about that? Okay, you know what, you're, you're, this is ridiculous. Let's just check it out. And that actually create like that, the, the interest and the buzz and, you know, got over a million visitors and the campaign 
campaign that you know generated huge social um, sentiment, thirty million impressions, hundreds of editorial placements, because it was like this, you know, cheeky chappy, um, crazy person trying to make us care about something we don't care about. But oops, look what you did! You made us talk about something we didn't want to talk about. And just these simple ideas, which you just go after and just have the I think the bravery and courage to to push them to influence your your colleagues, your stakeholders to actually get behind it. And as I say, you, if you can be first and pioneer and make it happen, then you get to stand out. If you just follow the status quo, then you're going to be part of the status quo and un, unlikely to succeed. So that's just kind of one of the examples that um, this this yeah, thing it's, it's a good one, I think. And, and you, you go back to our previous podcast about superpowers. And I think you have to use all of those marketing superpowers that we talked around, you know, storytelling, evidence, uh, creating that vision, creating that connection, all of that is essential ingredients of sort of creating that that environment and and being able to follow it through. Um, yeah, ring, rings true to me, Sam. Definitely. So, Chris, you know, when you think about your career, your history, when were you bravest? Not to put you on the spot, though, by the way, um, just you know, when were you bravest? Yeah. I, the one that actually always comes to mind because it it scarred me for life really i think was that you know i can still oh, taste no. the fear as i entered that boardroom and that was it was about sort of 2000 so it was early days of digital marketing i'd been brought in to be a head of crm for a um, large sort of media company and i was basically told by my boss what what i've been employed for but but then i was sort of working through for the first sort of three or four weeks and i and i realized that we weren't going to make any money out of it for about sort of three years um and and i was seriously worried for myself and for the company in terms there so but there was this thing called html email which was just on the horizon where um i repitched my job to the board and I said look you know I know you've employed me to do this but actually I think we should be focusing all of our efforts mm. around creating a an email marketing business we can sell advertising around it and if you give me a campaign manager and a new email system I'll turn it into a million pound business and and we did and and incidentally it was Bruce Daisley, VMD of Twitter, who was selling it as fast as I could market it, uh, which is, and it wasn't an easy ride. I can tell you, it was incredibly scary. But however, however, that ride was, and you know, it was exhilarating as well. But the scariest time was basically going into that yeah. boardroom and say, saying, "I know that you think I'm here to do this, but I don't think we should do that." You know, they could quite easily have gone, "Well, thanks very much for your honesty. You're in your probation period, out the door." But they yeah. they took a chance on me, and I sold mm -hmm. that vision, and uh, and it was there. So, you know, and, and bringing it bang up to date now, anyone who looks to use Snapchat or early days Twitter or Instagram is in exactly the similar position where where you're there going um, to the establishment. Um, there is a potential here. You have to trust me. These are media channels that you have to be on now and, uh, and mark my words in a couple of years time are going to be important. And it seems funny talking about email now where it's so ubiquitous, but, but back in the day, it was really ourselves. This was, um, Bauer, a media company and lastminute.com that was doing email marketing. So, so yeah, that that's the scars that I bear from that, Sam. Yeah, and it's making those connections and having you know using your voice and speaking up and speaking out. That's the thing. It's not 
good enough to have an idea written down or stored. You've got to actually be able to articulate and put it out there. And Seth Godin talks a lot about shipping and you, you know, if you can have a lot of hobbies, but unless you put it out there, mm. you know, you're not, and that, that's the push to actually challenge, speak up, speak out and go after it. You may not succeed, but guess what? What happens if you do? And it sounds in your case, you could have been told, here's your exit door. See you later. You were told, actually go on then. <laughs> Big mouth. You got some data, you got some, okay, let's get on with it. And guess what? Making money is what, if what, that's what the business is in. They kind of back that option and guess and it played out so that's a great great example yeah so uh so yeah so sam you know bring us bring us back round three key t- takeouts and reflections that we should be thinking of from the subject today yeah yeah i'll, I'll kick off number one which is storytelling it, throughout the the examples we've shared and your example and the one about the most boring category in the world of vacuum cleaners and getting people on board was storytelling it's the ability to to bring people with you and articulate a story which is not just the numbers and the facts and the figures but the the inspiration and the passion bring that to life and make it so compelling that you can walk into a boardroom and influence the you know the highest level of the organization through to the lower levels of people and your peers working with you so storytelling is one number two which you talked a lot about i think we've we've both covered is not having a plan b having the courage of your conviction standing behind an idea and going after it being confident and believing in yourself and the possibility that it could happen and then the third thing which we talked about through throughout this the lemon was a classic one is having insight insight has to power all the work that you do and that knowledge and that unique um, understanding of the why that actually in the insurance industry under from lemonade's perspective is actually don't treat it as their money treat it as you know the consumer my money they say hey this we got and we want it back to you as soon as we can and then give the rest to good causes that is not what a normal insurance company sells you and so storytelling not having a plan b and insight for me are the three things to take away from this show yeah no that's good that's good you know it's so much better to stand for something rather than stand for nothing uh, i think uh you know that's a, a key thing that has uh almost brings out all of the people we've talked so far in the podcast series so yeah completely completely with you on that one um so in terms of what's coming up next, next week, we're going to start arguing, actually, you know, it's time for a bit of healthy debate about how we should be starting mm-hmm. with the how and the, the key role of building capabilities within an organization to help you deliver that promise, that modern marketing demand. So it's getting rolling your sleeves up and getting stuck in. You know, it's critical now more than ever to ensure that the human factor is front of mind in doing that. And we're, we're thinking about the, the role that we play. Uh, and there's plenty of debate at the moment about um, marketing automation or robots and how many jobs are going to be around in the future. But I think bringing that back around to the role that we absolutely fundamentally have now and in the future. So I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah, the human's going to stick around for a while. So we're looking forward to recording that episode. And if there's a punch up, good job. We're on <laughs> opposite sides of the world. We can't physically hurt each other, but maybe verbally some sparring going on. Maybe, maybe indeed. Yeah. So that's it. That's all we have time for this week. Um, been a great show. Thank you very much for listening as ever. Thank you for your comments. We do appreciate every single piece of feedback that we get. So, Sam, until next time, have a great weekend. Yeah, we do. We absolutely read and um, try and respond to everything that we get. So appreciate the listeners and uh, appreciate your support. And so, yep, Chris, until next time, have a good week across the pond. 
Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe, or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment, or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformshow at gmail.com.